You're listening to The Big Data Beard. Hi, everybody. This is Corey Minton, and uh, I'm excited to uh, to welcome a friend of the Big Big Data Beard back on a show for a second time around. We've got uh, got a handful of folks that have uh, that have been alumni to come back and join us. Matt Cowell is the uh, CEO at QuantHub. Matt, welcome to the Big Data Beard podcast. Yeah, thanks, Corey. It's it's uh, great to be uh, great to be back on. We love we love following you guys and your adventures across the country and RVs and whatnot. So it's been. Uh... <laughs> Well, we've got some crazy stuff coming. It's uh, it's going to be fun. I t- challenge folks to tune in and uh, and keep an ear out for some of the great announcements that are come out in the next few weeks about another crazy project that we're undertaking. But Matt, last time you and I talked, uh, we met at the uh, the Data Science Salon Conference down in Austin, and uh, and I was just enamored with the things that your team were doing around, you know, how QuantHub really was. Uh, the, the mission that we talked about and a lot of the technology we talked about uh, on our previous podcast was really around, man, you know, data scientists, they're one, they're, they're unicorns, they're hard to find, but how do you make sure that you get one that really has the skills you need? And QuantHub really, you know, that was what you guys were setting out to do is to make sure that, you know, as you're hiring folks, help me understand what's happened since then. Like, is that, is that still just the, the core ethos and what you guys are doing or what's, what's sort of changed in the platform and as, uh, as you guys have innovated? Yeah, and, and certainly that's still something that we do, and we have, you know, we we've grown quite a bit since we talked, and we we have customers using us globally for that that are you know hiring pretty significantly in the AI space, so they're trying to bring on data scientists, bring on data engineers, and so that is still a core part of what we do. Um, part of our mission, or really our mission, is is to enable organizations. Um, to build great capabilities in data. And so really all things data. So that's data science, data engineering, and your more advanced analytics space, but then also build just great capabilities across the enterprise in data. And so that's going to be more, you know, building capabilities in data literacy um, and some of the, a little lighter weight, if you will, kind of data skills. And so our solution has really two aspects. One is in hiring, and, you know, we have that assessment platform that helps organizations figure out who has the skills to do the job and who doesn't and to do that really efficiently. Um, but we also now have an upskilling um, platform as well that leverages those same types of assessments to baseline and benchmark the skills of individuals on the team and then recommend learning opportunities for those individuals. And those could be in data science, data engineering, but also, you know, really more broad data skills, your kind of data literacy skills across the enterprise. And yeah. so that that's expanded our reach, I would say, quite a bit um, within companies into now kind of serving the entire enterprise and not just your more specialized advanced analytics teams. Well, you mentioned something there that I think is uh, is a topic I want to pull the thread on a little bit here. It's data literacy. And, you know, we on, on this podcast, we talk to a lot of folks about the technologies that you know, make AI and big data possible, right? The the data processing, the data curation, the data pipeline, the data management, quality, all these things. But at the end of the day, all this has to come to, you know, it comes to a head when any of it is done to support a business outcome. And that's something that I think is interesting because data literacy, I, I'm curious, that, that to me feels like it's the it's the skills to actually consume all this technology. So I guess maybe from your perspective, like what do you mean when you say data literacy? What does that mean to you and the team at QuantHub? Yeah, and I think there, there are two sides of it. And, and people normally think, as you just mentioned, to 
could really consume all of this technology. And certainly that's a part of it. Everyone in an organization, um, really literally everyone, they see data every day. And so they may see reports, they may deal directly with raw data um, that's coming across their desk that they're analyzing, you know, or maybe it's back to the reports, the executive reports where they are, you know, really trying to interpret those reports and and understand where the company's going or where their team's going and where they, you know, what they should do next. And so consumption of data is what everyone thinks about when they when they think about kind of data literacy. And so that's being good at visualizations, you know, understanding what a chart's telling you. It's understanding a little bit about statistics, at least to where you can do a little bit of a summary analysis on data. Maybe, you're, you know, just simple things like average, um, what's the mode of a, of a simple set of data, dealing in spreadsheets, those types of things. But the other side of it is, you know, all these advanced analytics teams, they're, you know, they're operating on the company's data. And that data typically doesn't come from them. It actually comes from others across the enterprise. So if you think of a customer support team, you know, what do they generate all day long data? And so they're on the phone with customers and they're generating and logging tickets. They're putting resolutions into the CRM system around those tickets. And what they enter into that system is, is really gold for the rest of the organization that deals with data. And so if they're just choosing default values, you know, when they're putting in tickets for, you know, what, what was the, you know, common root cause for this ticket or what type of customer is this? Or, and, you know, if they're not spending a lot of time actually making sure that the data they're putting into the system is high quality, then there are downstream impacts. And, and now your advanced analytics team, they're dealing with messy data all the time. And so that's another example of data literacy skills, understanding the importance of quality data, understanding how to input data into systems in a high quality manner based on what it may be used on in the future. And so that's where data literacy, you know, again, gets really across the entire enterprise. It's being able to understand data and understand charts, being able to consume data, but also being able to create data, which, you know, most of the organization does that every day as well. Yeah. So what sort of categories, you mentioned a few there, but I want to pull on that a little bit. Like, what are some of those categories of skills that if I, you know, wanted to say I am exceptionally data literate, like what are some of those categories of skills that are really important uh, from, from from your perspective on increasing your data literacy? Yeah. And, and so just understanding types of data, data structures, you know, do you understand what a, what a database is used for? Um, data stewardship and, and, you know, different ways that data is processed across the organization, just understanding and having some fluency in these concepts. What is machine learning? What's it used for? You don't have to be a practitioner, but, you know, what is, what's the purpose of that? Um, understanding different types of analytics. And again, the purpose of those different types of analytics, what is descriptive analytics? What's diagnostic analytics and when when do they apply um, those types of those types of skills? In addition to a little bit of statistics, um, data visualization, another skill that's that's probably one of the most important is data storytelling. Um, so this is a bit of an in vogue term now, and there's a lot of emphasis on it in this sort of data space and, and specifically in this sort of training space. And so being able to convey what the data is actually telling you and to do it to, you know, influence others to take an action. So if you're doing the analysis on, on a data set and you have the, um, 
you have the main points that the data is telling you and you have the actions that should be taken, well, then weaving a story around that, creating a presentation and influencing others to take action. And so that that concept of data storing is storytelling is really key in data literacy. Absolutely. Well, I hear a lot of talk and I think we've seen this this phrase thrown around maybe you know, marketing wise, but there's this this concept of like democratizing data science. Um, and, in, and it feels like, you know, if, if everything we do is, is data oriented as knowledge workers, you know, for the most part, if, if we're going to have high data literacy, <laughs> are we actually democratizing data scientists or, or I guess maybe what, what does it really mean for you to democratize data, data science or have maybe this concept of like citizen data scientists? Yeah. And I, th- I think citizen data scientists makes it sound like you have people across an entire organization doing data science. Mm-hmm. That's not necessarily how how I would define it. I mean, there are tools out there, the data robots of the world that are making um, platforms where you can automate machine learning. And it the idea is that it doesn't have to be a data scientist doing the work. Um, you know, I don't know if, to what extent that will um go across the entire enterprise where you have everyone doing (laughs) true data science work. (laughs) But I do think when you talk about democratizing data, to me, what that means is that you're, you're really getting data out into the masses and you're, you're pushing decisions down to what I always have liked to call the lowest responsible level, meaning it doesn't have to just be executives that are making decisions based on data. You know, interesting study I saw recently was, it was around access to data in, in an organization. And it was really referring to kind of who has that, who has that access. And interestingly, what, um, what they were talking about is that executives, you know, over, over 80% of executives have, have access to data, but under 50% of sort of your line workers, if you will, or the rest of the organization has access to data. And so when we think about democratizing data, you know, that's a problem that we're talking about. So we need to solve. We need to get data out into the masses and, and get everyone used to seeing data as part of their daily job and interpreting data and making decisions based on that data. And so that in that way, now we have these citizen data scientists where you have everyone across the organization that is well versed in data and they use data every day to make to make decisions. They don't have to do predictive analytics. You know, you can you can learn things from data just by looking at a data set, doing a little bit of analysis to figure out what that data set's telling you. So, you know, if you're looking at a problem that's happening in a, in a plant and, you know, you're just looking for why that's happening, you don't have to do predictive analytics to figure out why that's happening. You look at the trends in the data, you do a little bit of statistical correlation on on different things that might be causing it. And, you know, at the end of the day, you may figure some things out and take action. And so that's when I think about democratizing data. We're trying to get decisions um, pushed out to the masses that are data-driven decisions. Yeah. So, what do you, uh, how would you surmise or summarize the uh, like the impacts that if if an organization doesn't start taking a proactive approach to enable and develop citizen data scientists, what what happens? Like, what's the impact of an organization doing? Maybe maybe not doing it? And what's the benefit maybe for those who are, you know, true innovators and they're kind of leading in the space? What are the benefits that they're seeing as they begin to enable these citizen data scientists? Yeah. And there are, you know, there are really a lot of, a lot of stats out there that, um, that talk about this. I mean, there's, there are great reports from the world economic forum that talk about, um, just how much upskilling is required 
um, across the enterprise. And, and so they're a, an interesting, interesting quote there that that's a survey basically of executives or an interesting stat is that 54% of current employees really globally will require significant upskilling and, and, uh, and reskilling by 2022. You know, which is it's only a couple of years from now. Yeah. And the number one area when they talk about this sort of future of work is something they talk about frequently. It's these types of skills. It's it's skills in data, um, understanding and analyzing data. And so it's just um, it's just not optional anymore for companies to invest in these types of these types of data skills. And and, you know, companies are starting to starting to realize this when you. There, there are a lot of other surveys that talk about, um, you know, kind of success in data programs or success in rolling out AI. And typically you, you find that executives, they don't really talk about technology as one of the impediments for rolling out, you know, AI programs. They talk about people and they talk about both missing the advanced analytics skills, but also missing on the, on the data literacy, um, side. In addition to that stat of 54% of current employees needing upskilling, it's not just a little upskilling. The average that they quote actually for upskilling is each employee on average needs over 100 days of upskilling to kind of get to where they need to be. So it's not it's not a small it's not a small problem we're we're trying to solve here and getting organizations to be more data driven and just adapt it at um, leveraging, you know, AI to sort of power their business. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, it's, it's crazy to think that you're, you're absolutely right that like our, uh, our ability to be successful with AI projects is absolutely being thwarted by people that don't, don't have the data skills. So you talked in the kind of in the intro about like that you've shifted some of the focus from uh, Quanthub's sort of core focus early was how do you assess the skills of people that you need to bring in to power these machine learning projects? But as you just decided, it's not really, I mean, it's a big problem that you're trying to solve now sounds like about the upskilling challenge. So maybe what are some of the best practices that you're seeing uh, as you work with organizations that, that tackle that upskilling problem? Yeah. A big, a big part of it is, is we're really trying to leverage learning science and, and, you know, information and knowledge that's been around for a long time as to the way we all learn. And so it's the easiest way for, for me to think about it is people learn effectively on the job. And we all know that intuitively. We, we always talk about that in terms of how much faster we learn once we started working after college. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so it's just, it, there's, there are reasons behind that. And, and the, the reason is we're, we're actually, Learning in a much more iterative fashion. We're learning with smaller pieces of information. So we're not trying to, um, you know, take, take a big bite out or what, what is it? Eat the, what is it? Eat the elephant whole or something. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm forgetting the, uh, the analogy, but you know, we're taking smaller, um, bite sized chunks of learning and then we're using that information right away. And so that's the way we learn on the job in a day where I'm about to do something new and I don't know how to do it. The first thing I do is basically assess my skills to, can I actually do this? And then I, if I realize I can't, then I do a quick search. I will read something, I will learn it, and then I will use it. Yep. That is by far the most efficient and effective way to learn. So with Quanthub, what we are implementing is that type of sort of learning in the flow of work. Um, there's a lot of research that shows that that's much, much more effective 
um, employees that use that kind of micro learning where they're just taking bite-sized pieces of learning. So if I don't know something, I'm just going to go read a blog post. I don't need to go to this two-day training. I might just need a blog post. That type of learning and then using that information, uh, you know, there's there have been studies that show that people retain 85% of the knowledge um, that they've actually gained in that process. Whereas if you go learn for two days in a big training program, typically we know we don't use that information right away and then you lose it. And it's just brain, it's brain science. Uh, if you don't actually access information shortly after you learn it, you do not remember it. And so our system is more around assessing skills, helping figure people, helping people figure out where their skills are. And then we, we make micro learning recommendations, um, right away. And so it's right after we know where their skills are, we have a learning recommendation platform where we're learning, we're recommending blog posts, Reddit threads, Stack Overflow threads, um, videos. You know, there are companies out there that are providing so much great training content, but people don't know where to start. Microsoft, Google, there's so much great content out there, but people are overwhelmed. They don't know what they need and they don't know where to find it. And so we're, we're solving that problem by putting it right in front of them when they need it and in the, the right amount of it so that they can easily consume it on a daily basis. And, you know, in that way, we're really promoting a continuous um, cycle of learning, not just this one time learning thing where you go to a training for a couple of days. Yeah, that's honestly that to me is like the the big differentiator that makes my mind <laughs> like, like when I saw you guys give the demo of, of the platform to us and I've had the chance to look at it, like it's so neat that it's, it's that intuitive. It's that simple. You, you literally as a, if you're somebody who's trying to develop your team, you give them an assessment. <laughs> they, that, that assessment gives them this beautiful report that helps sort of kind of tell you the skills and what data literacy capabilities, you know, they, they are great at and maybe some areas where they can improve. And then, guided learning paths in those consumable pat like consumable chunks because man that's the thing i it bums me out like i'm a technologist i like to get hands-on but i am so that way if i go to a week of training and i don't like immediately start using that in practice that following week i'm like oh like i forget everything <laughs> it's so hard it's so sad actually it's it's terrible so i'm curious what are you like what what's the quant hub team doing to help you know maybe drive more awareness of, uh, of this data literacy challenge, uh, in, in the market. Yeah. So we actually, I mean, we write about this quite a bit, you know, we, we, this, we're passionate about helping people build data skills and, and, uh, to build them in the right way. You know, we know there's just a different approach. There's so many learning platforms out there that are training based. And just like you and I were saying, I mean, they're just not effective. So we are constantly out talking about there's, there's just a different way. And there are great platforms out there that leverage the same kind of learning science. They're just not necessarily focused on data. And so there are a lot of data learning platforms, but they're not doing it like this. And so we're just constantly out um, taking every opportunity we can to write about this on our blog, write about it, guest posts on other blogs, um, talk to, you know, great people like you, Corey, that have, have, you know, a good audience that, you know, we, we think, stands to benefit from learning more about what it means to be data literate as an organization and the best way to do that. And so we're just constantly out trying to, trying to promote that idea, whether someone goes with QuantHub or they just, you know, they have a better approach to their internal training. Either way, you know, our mission is for people to really be able to um, 
leverage AI to deliver a lot of value for the business. And our specific place in that is to solve the big people problem that stands in the way. <laughs> we, we like to say AI, AI has a people problem. And uh, so that's how, we, uh, that's how we approach it. So we're constantly trying to educate on the best way to, to solve that. Absolutely. Well, you know, interesting, the, the idea of learning, I think, and uh, development has been impacted by this, this new uh, reality that we find ourselves in and remote working. So I'm curious from, from your perspective, how have you seen this, uh, this, this pandemic maybe reshape or change the expectations that, you know, both individuals, but organizations have on the ways in which they, uh, they learn and upskill? Yeah, I mean, really, upskilling is an invoked term now. <laughs> a lot of these studies that I talked about that are, you know, if you just search around upskilling and, and these types of things and data, data literacy, this type of stuff, you know, you really see a lot of stuff that's been published since the pandemic started. Mm -hmm. And so it, that there was a huge rise in people investing in upskilling, actually, as people were um, working from home, they had a little bit more bandwidth, you know, for whatever reason, because they couldn't quite do work in the same way they were before. A lot of organizations have pivoted to having those people spend more time learning. And so I think, you know, they're investing in people, their greatest assets, so that out on the backside of this pandemic, whenever that may be, organizations you know, need to be in a better place um, to take advantage of the you know, what comes next, you know, really the recovery. And the best way to do that is make sure their people are ready. And so we've seen that it's just, we've just seen incredible, um, incredible demand for these types of upskilling solutions really since, since the pandemic started, which you hate to take advantage of something like that. And that's not really the way we think about it, but you know, we also want to help organizations emerge in a better place. No, I think anybody that's not looking at this going, not like, how do I take advantage, but how do I, how do I help support people that clearly have a need? Um, you know, there's been a lot of companies that got caught a lot of flack over like when the pandemic started and they had these, these responses, most of them were actually intentionally like good. Like they weren't trying to go out and convert to revenue. They were like, Hey, you're a customer. And if you're not, here's some free tech that if it helps you solve a problem, like, and help meet your need, like, I love that. So yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm on board that it's. It's not that you're like trying to monetize. It's that you're literally trying to help people solve the problem of, hey, how do we upskill? It's brilliant. I love that. So when you go, when when a, when an organization reaches out to QuantHub that, you know, or um, when you go talk to somebody that finds interest in the platform, what are the kinds of people like? Are these, is it, you know, is it learning development people? Is it like HR? Who are the people that really like, if there's somebody in an organization that hears this, like, who do they take that message to, to help you know, find a platform like QuantHub and then actually evaluate it if it's a fit for their organization? Yeah, honestly, I think it depends on the size of the organization. Of course, um, you know, we're in conversations with some really, really large companies and we're talking to the heads of their learning and development. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, they, they larger organizations typically going to have an L&D um, department and they are thinking strategically. And so they're trying to, you know, upskill the entire workforce in this type of area. So that's that's typically what we see in the largest of the organizations in smaller organizations or even in midsize organizations. We're likely talking to C-level C-level folks because this is not an this is not as quote unquote IT initiative. Um, this is an enterprise initiative. So if the COO, you know, their entire focus is on the operational excellence of the entire organization, then data literacy is just a it's a skill that's just a, simply a requirement um, for them to to 
improve you know the entire organization they have to have a more data really a data fluent culture and and team and so we see that being you know very much a, a c level a c level initiative absolutely well I, it's it's one of those things that i as a as somebody who's seen the platform, who've been hands-on with it and start to understand <laughs> some of our own gaps, like it's, it's a no-brainer. If you're building data literacy in your organization, if you have a responsibility, the platform is, is quite impressive. And if, if anybody listening wants to check it out, we'll put a link in the show notes, but you can go to get.quanthub.com forward slash beards and uh, request a demo. It's a super cool platform to check out. We've learned a lot from our guests about big data, but now it's time to get a bit personal. In a segment we like to call Rapid Fire. First question in Rapid Fire, what has been the most productive thing you've done during this uh, pandemic? <laughs> well, I've leveraged, this is, sounds terrible, but I've leveraged my kids actually because they've been bored out of their minds to do a lot of work around the house. So we've made some significant improvements to our house. <laughs> that's why my, uh, that's why my, my great grandmother had seven grandchildren was so she could run the farm. What, uh, have you, have you read any books lately that you would recommend to our listeners? I haven't, um, I actually haven't read as much lately. I've been, I've been really active on, um, you know, reading a lot of, a lot of content that's shorter form <laughs> in kind of a alignment with, um, you know, with what we're doing. So I've read a lot about data literacy, just as, you know, honestly, it's been a, it's been a big topic for us. I've binged a lot of shows. Oh, that's the next question. What show have you been binging? Well, actually, I had not seen um, Breaking Bad, believe it or not. And, uh, and so I, I binged that. Good Lord, that's a long, there are a lot of, a lot of shows there. So I got a little uh, crazy there for a while. Uh, all I could think about was, was that show in my sleep. And so I did, uh, I did binge that for quite a while nice. <laughs> during that's the pandemic. Good, it's a good time. Now, uh, obviously, you know, we're, we're, we're dependent upon tech in weird ways that we weren't before. What's your favorite piece of technology that maybe is making your life uh, easier or better right now? I don't, you know, I find that I, I, I've started dipped my toe a little bit into the, um, um, the Alexa world. And so I have it controlling a few lights, but honestly, just low tech Wi-Fi thermostats have the thermostats have been, that's been a huge thing for me, you know, being able to control it. Um, if we go away for a weekend and I forget to change the temperature, I really have enjoyed having the access to, um, you know, to being able to change the temperature in our house remotely. Um, so that's been, that's been good at saving, saving on some, we live in Alabama. And so it's been, it's a little, little steamy here. (laughs) So changing the temperature to avoid those crazy bills has been nice. That's awesome. Well, if you want to get really deep on, uh, on home automation and uh, tech, the Big Data Beard team is, we're all nerds about it, but we've got a great friend uh, in Australia who is one of the home automation like Kings, like he's doing crazy cool stuff, fully off grid with solar. I mean, crazy cool stuff. I and mean, it was actually episode one of the season. So you might check that out. Matt, where, when we go back to traveling, cause I know you love to travel like I do. When we go back to traveling freely again, and I put the caveat out there, cause I know there's, you can do a little right now, but freely back to like close to normal. Where are you going? 
Yeah, we actually, my son um, just graduated high school and um, just started college in the midst of all this craziness. And we had a trip this summer up to, of all places, planned to go to Italy, sort of the last yeah. hurrah before he went to college. So I suspect that next summer, if things are back to whatever, whatever this new normal will be and we can travel, uh, we might be heading to Italy. That's awesome. Good for you. Now, what's the best place for uh, for our audience to find you and the team at Quant Hub on social media? Yeah, we're pretty active on. Honestly, we're active on Twitter and LinkedIn are, are by far the the places where we're most active. We don't do a lot on Instagram yet. Um, so we talk we talk a lot about like you asked earlier. We talk a lot about data literacy and and really try to help educate on on the best ways to learn those types of skills. And so we talk about that quite a bit on on Twitter and our blog, on which is our quantum site. But we'll usually post something um, you know, at least a couple times a week, um, posts and whatnot. So any of those places. Nice, dig it. Well, Matt, thank you so much for being on the Big Did a Beard. We uh, we appreciate the uh, the time. I certainly encourage folks to uh, click the link in the show notes to check out QuantHub. Get a demo yourself to see this really slick platform that helps organizations assess and develop data skills across the organization. Thanks so much for listening to the Big Did a Beard podcast. Thanks for listening to the Big Data Beard podcast. 